0: after I did that last Sunday that I had gotten confused about which cartoon I had in the bulletin and that I had selected the Simon Says cartoon. If you've looked, that's in your bulletin this week. Uh, If you haven't, you need to read your bulletin more carefully. And I thought it was last week, so sometimes I get confused. Anyway, our text this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But I want some background for that text. David and his men have returned to the land of the Philistines as far as Ziklag. In doing this, they have left their wives and their families absolutely defenseless. Well, since their wives and their families were absolutely defenseless, the Amalekites were more than happy to take that opportunity for some retaliation. Seeing that the fighting men of Judah marched away to war, that was just what the Amalekites wanted. They could take revenge now on David, and they could spoil this defenseless country. So with the fighting men of Judah gone, the Amalekites had taken their wives, their sons, and their daughters as captives. Now, don't you dare think for a moment that they spared their lives because the Amalekites were a kind and merciful, civilized people. They spared their lives of their wives, their sons, and their daughters because they were valuable to the Amalekites as slaves. So when David and his men returned, the souls of all of them were grieved because their wives and their children were gone. Their souls were grieved and they were saddened. But soon, their grief turned to anger. And they actually began to talk about stoning David. So here's David with this hostile, angry crowd of people wanting to stone him. And he's left almost without a friend. And so our text says in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There are very few people so valuable as those people that bring courage to our lives. And there's no finer art than being able to put heart into people that are filled with despair. And there's no greater service than we can perform for our fellow man, than relighting the candle of hope and expectancy in the darkened lives of those around us. That's the fact that makes David interesting to us. Because David is an encourager. David is a man that is a living antidote to fear. David brings something to the table that brings out the very best in us. David brings something to the table that helps us perform our greatest service. If you want to help, and you want to help where help is needed the most, then by all means, Learn how to encourage folks. Do you want to make a great contribution into the lives of others? Then learn the secret of changing sobs into songs. Because folks, a discouraged man or a discouraged woman is to a great degree a defeated Useless individual. There's so many folks in our world today. So many people on the pages of history. People who in the battle of life, they do not fail because of a lack of ability. And they do not fail because of a lack of opportunity. And they do not fail because they're not enthusiastic, nor because they have no desire to be successful. So many folks fail in life because they have a lack of courage. It was fear. It was a lack of courage that caused that one talent man to fail. In Matthew chapter 25. He was far too easily discouraged. And becoming discouraged, he became mastered by his fears. Fear. Discouragement. It takes the spring out of our step. It takes the elasticity out of our step. It kills our initiative and saps the last ounce of strength from our spirit. If we are going to be successful in life. If we are going to be successful in whatever it is we attempt. If we're going to be successful as God's people. We have to work with hope in our hearts. It's true in the business world. It's true if we're fighting some physical disease. And if we're going to master the battle, win the battle, and master a Christ-like character and live for Jesus, we've got to have hope in our hearts. We must not. We cannot allow ourselves to become melancholy and discouraged. Because when we become melancholy and when we become discouraged we lose the battle. Discouragement. That is one of the greatest sources of human misery. Look around you. Look around you in this world of ours today. And there are so many people in our world today that are unhappy. Walk through Walmart and see the furrowed brows and the scowls and the frowns. And it's not just because they're in Walmart that they're unhappy. Do you know why they're unhappy? Because so many people in our world today have become discouraged. So many people in our world today have lost heart. And a discouraged heart is a heart that is without joy. And if you're discouraged this morning, there's very little brightness in the sunshine for you even if it was shining outside. If you're discouraged this morning, the springtime that's just around the corner, the springtime that Mike prayed about, there's no beauty in springtime for you. If you're discouraged, there's no perfume in the rose bush. And there's very little music in the song of the birds early in the mornings. A genuine case of discouragement. A genuine case of discouragement blinds us to a million treasures of beauty. That are there for us to see and to grasp hold of. Discouragement is enough to make us miserable. In spite of the laughter that exists in a God-ordered world. But someone who is an encourager keeps the song in life. Someone who's an encourager prevents life from becoming burdensome, tedious, and useless. That's what makes David interesting to us in our text. You see, David puts heart into us. David makes us look up. And he makes us laugh. And He makes us sing. Has anybody talked of stoning you this morning? No. They were talking about actually stoning David. And David, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David makes us believe in the dawn of tomorrow. David would write in Psalm 30 and verse 5, Weeping may endure for the night, but what, David? But joy comes in the morning. The encourager helps us forget our failures. The encourager helps us forget our defeats. The encourager helps us fling away our fears and lay hold on hope and the expectation of victory. But I want you to notice the text again. It does not say that David encouraged others, does it? It does not say David encouraged those around him, even though that's true. Our text says... David encouraged himself. Personally, I believe that that is the biggest thing you can say about David. Write this down, it's on the final exam. That is an absolutely essential ingredient to the real encouragement of others. Being able to encourage yourself. It is next to impossible for me to give to others a courage that I do not possess myself. It is hard for me to allay the fears of others when my own knees are knocking together playing a tune. It's difficult for me to convince others of victory When I am a slave myself to the fear of defeat, we've got to be able to encourage ourselves. Being able to encourage myself, for you to be able to encourage yourself, it's a fine art and it's worth learning. I'm not going to lie to you, it is a great privilege. To be encouraged by others. It's a wonderful thing. To have a friend. That can put hope into you. When you are hopeless. But sometimes. There is no such friend available. Sometimes we seem to be forgotten. Sometimes we seem like We're alone and absolutely left to ourselves. The sad truth is this. The great battles. The battles in which we win or lose our souls are battles that are fought alone. When David comes back and the Amalekites have sacked their cities and the Amalekites have taken their wives and children, there's no friend to encourage David. They're all wanting to stone him. So David encouraged himself. David did not encourage himself by denying the difficulties he faced. David did not encouraging set himself by ignoring the, the problems that existed. Because you see the dangers, the perplexities, the sorrows that David confronted they weren't imaginary, they were very real. David couldn't play the ostrich and bury his head in the sand and pretend that they did not exist. David could not rear back and spit right in the face of reason. He couldn't throw dust in the eyes of common sense and deny the reality of the perils and the sorrows that he found himself in at that point in time. Sometimes, sometimes we can help ourselves by looking on the bright side of a situation. Sometimes it's helpful if we look for the silver lining in the clouds. Like I remember one time when Norman and I were all distraught because our deep freeze went out. The silver lining was we were so broke there wasn't hardly anything in it to go bad. You see, there's sometimes a silver lining in the clouds. And we need to look for it Sometimes. But there are so many people in our world today who can only see things that are disappointing. People that can only see things that are discouraging. They see a glass as half empty. I've told you this. Some people see a glass half empty. Some people see a glass half full, right? Right? I see a glass that's full. It's half full of liquid and half full of air, but it's a glass that's full. But so many people can only see the dark side of things. They see the things that are discouraging, the things that are disappointing, the things that are disheartening. They have a very keen eye only for what makes for despair. They have an ear that's attentive to nothing except the discords of life. And they seem unable to rejoice in life's common mercies and life's everyday blessings. And yet, believe it or not, I have more hope for that kind of person than for that individual that closes his or her eyes to the plain obvious facts of life simply because they might be a bit unpleasant and deny their reality. David did not encourage himself by the thought of his own goodness. And David did not encourage himself by the thought of his own greatness and his own power. David did not encourage himself by reaching back and patting himself on the back or telling himself, oh, David, you're a great guy, David. He didn't tell himself how righteous he was or how resourceful he was or how saintly he was. The simple fact is that few of us have sufficient goodness to be of any great consolation to ourselves in times of disappointment and discouragement. Notice something else. Pardon me. David did not encourage himself with the idea of tucking tail, quitting, and running away. And giving up. Sometimes folks try to encourage themselves that way. Let's say we've decided to take on some task or some obligation. Things just don't go quite the way we expected. It's not quite as successful as we had hoped for. So what do we do with a situation like that? Sometimes folks, instead of making up their mind to put more energy and effort into the task, make up their mind to just give up, throw their hands up and quit and say, I'm done. We have set out to complete the task in life of living for Jesus, of being Christians. Guess what happens to us along the way? We stumble, we falter, we fall. What do we do? Do we try and hide ourselves away in the crowd? Do we stop trying? Do we give up? We press the battle in Jesus' name. To encourage ourselves with the promise of quitting is the encouragement of a coward and will only result in complete defeat and total discouragement okay, fine. How did David encourage himself? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He brought his difficulties. He brought his sorrows. He brought his failings and he brought his perplexities to God. He moved himself into the presence of the One who is the abiding source of courage. He came to God, the one sure help for David. And guess what? God is the one sure help for me and for you. Look at all the circumstances David found himself in. I mean, it's it's easy enough, isn't it, to encourage ourselves when nothing's going wrong? We can say, sure, David was a great man and a great soldier. Everything was coming his way. David was a man after God's own heart. That's great. David doesn't know the kind of sorrow and struggles I have to endure. He never knew the kind of disappointment, discouragement, and pain that I know. What did we say about the background of that text? David's not in an easy place. David is face to face with one of the great failures of his life. The city he's supposed to have defended has been raided, captured, and destroyed. He's failed. And failure was as hard for David to bear as it is for you and me to bear. But in the midst of that failure, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He brought his failures. He brought his defeat into the light of the divine presence of God. Because of that, He did not believe that even failure was fail. He even came to believe that victory might be possible to come from defeat. So David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, it's quite possible this morning, right here, right now, you might feel that you failed. You might even feel depressed and faint of heart. You may have come to the house of the Lord this morning determined that I'm not going to try anymore. Write this down. Use indelible ink when you do. Jesus Christ has an abundance of hope. For those who have failed. Jesus promises that though the cup has been marred in the making, He will make it again. You remember that night in Gethsemane when the disciples failed Jesus so miserably? He went into the garden to pray. He knew the cross was looming before Him. He fell on His face and He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Not My will, but Thine be done. Three times He prayed that prayer. Sweat, as it were great drops of blood, fell from His brow. He's praying in the garden and He comes and what does He find? His disciples are asleep. Sleeping when they should have watched and prayed with Him. They threw away their big opportunity that night in the garden. And Jesus said, I'm done with you. Get away from me. No. Jesus didn't throw them away. He said, Arise. Let us be going. I see something else this morning. By an eye of faith this morning, I see a man way back in history standing on the deck of a ship. It's a merchant ship. It's on the Mediterranean Sea.